good evening. I thought perhaps we've spent the three years learning Hilchah Shabbos that for the next few weeks till the end of the uh, summer year we'll make a little change and we'll talk about some other halachas. And coming up to Shavuos, I thought perhaps we'll try and spend a, a couple of shurim on some interesting halachas which come up directly and indirectly because of the answer of Shavuos. Some of them which you might have heard, some you might be surprised at. Uh, hopefully it will be uh, entertaining enough for you to want to come back next time as well. Just by way of introduction, the halacha tells us in the beginning of Hilchus Pesach that Shailim Vidoshin Behilchus HaPesach Kedem HaPesach Shleishim Yom that we should try and seek and learn halachas of Pesach 30 days before the upcoming Yom Tov. The Rashi and Tesis in, in, in a few places actually extends that not just to Pesach to all the other Yom Tovim. Uh, in that regard, then perhaps we are about right now to start talking about the halachas of Shavuos. It just so happens that the Vilna Gaon says that Shavuos, one doesn't have to spend 30 days discussing halachas uh, from Rosh would be uh, sufficient, but I think we'll be a little bit machme, and we'll start with the 30 days Kedem HaChag. The minute to eat milky on Pesach, on Shavuos, um, I know some Yeti Ashkenaz have a minute to, to eat milky uh, once every Shabbos and every single Yom Tov. But the minute of Klal Yisrael to eat milky is only and only Shavuos. I'd like to go through the background to the Minhagim. Some Ashkenaz do eat uh, milky on Shabbos too. Um, I'd like to go through the background of the Minhag of why we eat milky and the different halachas which are connected to that. Some halachas will be the halachas of Bosov Echolov, some halachas will be the halachas of Yom Tov, different halachas which are directly and indirectly connected to the minhagim that we have of eating milky. What we'll do is we'll go through the different reasons, and we'll go through the different minhagim which are around, some you might have heard of, some again you might not have heard of, different minhagim which, which different people do on Shavuos, and we'll tie all that together, Be'ez Hashem, with some practical halachas. The Ramah tells us in Hilchus Shavuos, it's right at the end of Hilchus Pesach, the last there's a custom in many areas to eat milky foods on the first day of Shavuos he gives the first reason the first reason we're going to go through about five or six reasons but the Ramah tells us the first reason is as follows just as on Seder night on the Seder plate we take two cooked foods an egg or a wing whatever it may be a bone one to remind us of the carbon Pesach and one to remind us of the carbon Chagiga. So we have a Zechah, we try to have some remembrance of the Karbonis that took place at that given Yom Tov. So too comes Shavuos, we try to remember the Karbonis that were, take, that, that were brought in, in the Yom Tov of Shavuos. And the carbon that was brought specifically on the Yom Tov of Shavuos is what's known as the Shtei HaLechem, two loaves of bread which were brought as a carbon on Yom Tov. Therefore, says the, the Yeramah, Do you want a, a share now? Um, well, I didn't prepare that, Mrs. Green. It's not fair. If you would have told me an hour ago, I would have, I would have given you a share on that, but not now. The, again, so in order to be able to make this, remember this zecha for the two kabbalas, the two shteilechem, so the mega evolved as follows. Therefore, came Eichel Machale Cholov, the Achkach Machale Bosa. Therefore, they used to eat milky foods, and following on from that, eat meaty foods. And we'll discuss this at length a bit later on in the year. Therefore, you have to bring two loaves of bread. 
Now you ended up having a meal with two loaves of bread. That reminds you of the carbon, the shteh that was brought in the time of the Mishnah Says Ramah, that's the first reason why we eat milky foods on Shavuos. Uh, we'll go through all the different reasons and we'll tie the different reasons together with the different minhagim that we have. Not many of you here probably have this minhag exactly as Ramah has put it down here in, in Shulchan Aruch. There's a, another very famous reason which the Be'er Hater, which is also printed on the page in the Shulchan Aruch, quotes. And he says as follows, he says, we know that in the Torah, the Torah tells us that a male or female who becomes Tomei, a Zav or a Zava, can only become cleansed from the uncleanness of the, the Tumah by counting seven clean days. That's Allah in, in, in the Torah, the Pesukim, a Zav and a Zava have to count seven clean days. In fact, we find a Tomei Mace. In order to become clean, it has to go through seven days of cleaning. Again, twice sprinkling and counting the seven days. The actual counting, though, is not, there's not, no mitzvah to count by a Tomei Mace. The mitzvah to count is only by a Zav and the Zohar. Says the Zohar, the Behet is quoting the Zohar, tells us that the seven weeks that we count from Pesach to Shavuos is because Kralishol in Mitzrayim were at the lowest level of Tumah, 49th level of Tumah, as the, the Swarim tell us, the Chazal tell us, Kralishol were at the Memtes Shari Tumah, and the counting is the counting of the seven weeks corresponding to the seven days which can enable us to purify ourselves through the counting of the seven weeks so we reach the Shavuos. When we come to Shavuos, we reach our purification. And therefore, milk being white represents Rachamim. Tumah is thin, is judgment. Therefore, when we came out of Mitzrayim, we were judged. Halala Ovdavodazorav, Halala Ovdavodazorav, we were judged. We now move away from judgment to Rachamim to represent that we drink milk, we eat milky foods, which is white, which represents Midas uh, Rachamim. So therefore, on Shavuos, when we become pure, we drink milk, which is the, the symbol of mercy. The Behetik is the third reason. The Yushalmi tells us that when the Malachim came to the Yerubayim just before Kabbalah Satarian, they said, why are you giving the Torah to Kali? So I'll give it to us. To which the Yerubayim responded and said that when I said Kali, my children, when they eat milk, they're very careful. He said, I'll read you out the wording of the Yushalmi. As soon as a child comes home from, from school, you give him a cup of milk, and he'll eat it. If you give him then, immediately afterwards, a bit of meat, what will he do? He'll wash his hands, and only then he'll eat. He says, You ate milk and meat together. Where did the Malachim eat milk and meat together? He says in the Pasuk, when they came to visit Avraham Avinu, he says, Avraham Avinu gave them he gave them butter and milk, and straight away the pasuk after that says, He gave them the tongues from the cows. And the pasuk has a vav in between the two, and there's a vav and the Yishami seems to understand that the vav is connecting the two. That not only he gave them butter and milk, but they ate it together with the tongues. Therefore, says the Yerushalmi to Malachim, says the Yerushalmi tells us that you, you're not careful on milk and meat. How can I give you the Torah? Even a child coming home from school is so careful to wash his hands when it comes to eating milk and drinking milk and eating meat directly afterwards. They deserve, they're deserving to receive the Torah. So to commemorate that conversation and to show the Yerushalmi that we are really truly deserving of Kabbalah's Torah, so therefore we eat milk, milky, meat, milky foods, to show the Bansha that we understand the difference between the milk and meat, the differentiation, we have to make this divide between milk and meat. So that's, so far we have three reasons. The first reason is 
to remind us of the two loaves of bread which were brought as a carbon on, on, on the altar of Shavuos. Second reason is because we are purified through the process of seven weeks. Shavuos is the day of purification, so we eat milk, which is Midas HaRachemim. Third is to make a differentiation between milk and meat, to show the Rebbein that we are different than Malachim. Another reason given in, in, in the Svarim is that we find the Gemara actually discusses why are we allowed to drink milk? What heter is there? Why do we drink milk? Is milk something really that we should be allowed to drink, or is it part of an animal? And just like you can't eat a, a, a limb of an animal, you can't eat, you can't drink the milk of an animal. And in fact, Morris says, had it not been for a specific pasuk in the Torah which would allow us to drink milk, milk would be considered part of the animal and would be forbidden to be drunk. Just like you can't cut off a limb of an animal when it's alive and eat the, the meat, you can't milk an animal and drink the milk, except that we have a special pasuk in the Torah and the Gemara gives us a pasuk which tells us you are allowed to drink the milk. So, had it not been for Kabbalah Satayah, were it not for the fact that we received the Torah which gave us the permission, so to speak, to drink milk, we wouldn't be allowed to drink milk. Therefore, to commemorate that, we eat milk on Shavuos, we drink milky foods, to show us that we understand that milk is really something which should be forbidden. It's only through the, the present that we should bring and gave us of Kabbalah Satayah that we are allowed to drink milk. The last reason that we'll go through, there's more reasons in the Swarm, but we'll go through one more reason, and this is a reason which is brought down in the Mishnah Buru. Mishnah tells us that he heard a reason from a Godel Echot, the shame Godel Echot. And he writes as follows. Israel, when they received the Torah, for the first time, learned the halachas of meat. And they realized that in order to be able to eat meat, you have to shecht it. And in order to be able to shecht an animal, you have to have a knife which is perfectly straight, with no catches in it, perfectly smooth knife. The actual process of shechita is a complicated one. It's got to be done in a, certain, a specific action. If you actually move your hand in a slightly wrong way, the whole shechita is no good. The animal needs skinning, it needs salting, it needs cashering. There's a whole process before you can begin to eat meat. They came back from Matan and they said, Oh dear, what are we going to do now? How on earth are we going to get meat to eat? Who's got time to shech? Where are we going to find the knives from? Where are we going to find the, the, the expertise to be able to shech without causing the animal to be an availer. That's not possible for us to do all that on the spur of the moment. The actual kalim that they had up until now were kalim which had had meat which they weren't allowed to eat anymore. So they needed fresh kalim. That was impossible to be able to organize all that kosher meat and kosher kalim and have a meal ready for them as soon as they came back from Kabbalah Satay. And don't forget, the, the men are very makwit. They have their meals right ready as soon as they come in for shul. So they needed to have their meal ready right when they came back from Kabbalah Satay. That was impossible. Therefore, says the, 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 what did they do? They had no choice. They had to serve a milky meal. So to, as, as a remembrance of what went on at the, at the time of Kabbalah Satay, we eat milk on the, on the altar of Shuros to remind us of that episode that took place at the time of Kabbalah Satay. <laughs> So then we have, a, I've lost count, but five or six reasons why we have a minute to eat milk on shores. Now, the different minhagin that we find with respect to eating milk are as follows. Um, I, my minute, and I think that's the minute of probably most of us in this room, is to have a milky meal on the first night of shores. Some people are machme, sveikadayem, they might eat milk, milky on the second night of shores as well. But the minute being to eat a milky meal on the first night. Comes the Yomtev morning. There's no, no milk at all. We have a normal Yomtev meal, normal meaty meal, like we do on every other Yomtev. And that's the, the, probably, I don't tell me if I'm wrong, but it's probably the, the, the minig that most of us have here. Just eat a plain milky meal on the night of Shores. There are others who, the night of Shores, have a normal meaty meal. Perfectly normal meaty meal, like 
every Yom Tov. What they do is, comes Yom Tov morning, they make Kiddush, and they wash, they wash, and then they bring out the cheesecakes and, uh, and all, all the blinters, etc., that you've stuck so hard on to prepare for Yom Tov. Then they clear the milky away, they bring out the new loaf of bread, and then they have a meaty meal, if you can have a meaty meal after all the blinters, then they, they, they have a meaty meal. And that's the second minute, and that's very similar to the remarks we, we, as we'll, we'll itemize in a moment. The third minute is even slightly is an extension of that, where they again have a meaty meal on Yom Tov night, they come home in the morning, Yom Tov morning, they wash, they kiddish wash, have a whole milky meal, bench, and a while later come back, wash again, and have a full meaty meal. So if you thought there was a lot of eating over Pesach, Shores is uh, slightly worse. So those are the three minhagim. Now if you go through the different reasons that we've discussed, you will find that the different minhagim are based around, very much around the different reasons that we've given. So for instance, the idea that we have of eating the night meal, milky, but the day meals, we don't eat milky at all, we only eat meaty. If the reason why um, we eat milky is because When we came out of Mitzrayim, we were unclean. And when we reached the, the 50th day, 7 times 7, we reached the level of cleanliness. And to represent that, we eat milk. Then that level was reached immediately as soon as we enter into the Yontav Shores. As soon as Yontav comes in, that's the point when we have now counted our 7 days, we are now ready to be cleansed. So to represent that, we should eat milk straight away. And that's what we do. We eat a milky meal on the night of, of, of Pesach, on the night of Shores. If you think about the Yushalmi, that the Malachim weren't careful with the milk and meat, but we are careful. So we have to show them, we show them before we receive the Torah that we are careful with milk and meat, so we therefore eat a milk and meal on the night of Pesach. That makes sense. The Ramah's reasons, Shavuos, I keep saying Pesach, excuse me. The, the Ramah's reason, the Ramah's reason that it's to, to commemorate the Kabonis that were brought, that was brought, the two Kabonis were brought during the day. Those of us who have a milky meal on the night of Shavuos don't have two loaves of bread. We have a, a meal at night and we have a meal in the day. We don't have two separate loaves of bread in any given meal. Besides, if you're hungry, so you need extra bread. But we don't have two specific meaty and milky loaves of bread. So that doesn't match the remark at all. Um, the other reasons are also reasons which are specific to the day. The other two minhagim, where they eat the milky meal during the day, that's very much based on the remark. The remark tells us the idea is to have two loaves of bread. So either you eat the same meal and you take one bread away and bring the meet the bread out afterwards, or you wash and have a separate meal, but at, at least you are commemorating the Shteh Lechem, you are having two separate loaves of bread. So that's where the minig of eating the meal milky during the day comes from. In, in fact, the, the other reason given that uh, after Kabbalah Satoya, the Mishavur tells us they didn't have any food to eat because they couldn't actually go and shech, that also only makes sense that we should eat a milky meal during the day. Not at night, at night they hadn't received the Torah yet, at night they could have had meat. So there's no reason to eat milky at night. Those other reasons are all reasons why we should eat milky during the day. So the, the different minhagim that we find in Kral whether you eat milky on the night of Shavuos, or you eat milky in the day of Shavuos, is very much based around the different reasons, as we've, as we've given. And some people in Kral have the minhag that we do, some people in Kral have the minhag how they do. And the idea of this year is not in any way for, to criticize any minhag, or to make anybody want to change any minhag. Every minhag in Kral is, is Kaddish, and has to remain Minig Yisrael Dinu, wherever your Minig is, that is your Minig. What we'd like to discuss now is go through some halachas which are pertinent to each of the Minhagim, and why perhaps the other Minhagim felt that that Minig was wrong and their Minig was right. 
Again, not to say that anybody should change their minig. I am not changing my minig even after this year. So uh, we shall be eating a milky meal on Leil Shavuos and meaty in, on the day of Shavuos. Be'ezu Hashem Yisbar. So let's discuss some halachas which are pertinent to Yom Tov, pertinent to Basu V'cholov, which are very, very tied in to these different minhagim. The Mechavah tells us in Hilchus Yom Tov that a person, every person, is obligated to have a meal, two meals on Yom Tov, with two loaves of bread, like we have on Shabbos, and to base every meal around wine. You have a chiv to have a meal and slice. Lifsay literally means to cut two loaves of bread. And that your meal should be a wine-based meal. The Mishnah Bura adds that the, the chiv to eat a suda on Yom Tov is not just to wash and eat, but it's also to eat meat. Mitzvah, says the Mishnah Bura, Mitzvah lecho bossa. There's a mitzvah to eat meat on Yom Tov. That's talking about the halacha of eating a meal on Yom Tov, which is really under the banner of covered and oinig Yom Tov. Like we discussed halachas at length some time ago on covered and oinig Shabbos, Yom Tov, covered and oinig Yom Tov, requires us to eat, partake of two meals over Yom Tov, one in the night, one in the day, each meal being based around the same order as Shabbos, two kikaris, two, two loaves of bread which we cut, Yom Tov has the added ingredient that it should be based on wine, it should be a, a, a meal based around wine, plus there's a mitzvah to eat meat. There's no mitzvah to eat meat or Shabbos specific meat. You can eat anything that makes you, for you is a, is a pleasure, that's what you can eat on Shabbos. Yom Tov is a, a specific mitzvah to eat meat. The Mechaber carries on in the same simon, in the Hilfus Yom Tov, and he tells us there's another halacha which is pertinent to and specific to Yom Tov, and that's the halacha of Simchas Yom Tov. Besides the halacha of eating a meal on Yom Tov, which is relevant to Shabbos as well, those, the, the criteria are slightly different in Yom Tov, there's a mitzvah to be besimcha on Yom Tov. Simchas Yom Tov, there's a mitzvah of simcha on every, uh, every one of the three shalish, of the, the shalish we got him. And here the Mechavah tells us as follows, He's got to be besimcha, not just himself, his wife and his children all have to be besimcha. They have to be happy. In fact, they tell us, the uh, Maiserav of the Vilnagon tells us on Yom Tov, it was palatable in front of the God how happy he was. The, the true simcha, it was, it was uh, very evident that he was really besimcha on Yom Tov. He, he took the simcha Yom Tov very seriously and very literally, and it was a very important part of his Yom Tov. And the Mechavah tells us how on earth are we, do we fulfill this mitzvah of being besimcha on Yom Tov? Says the Mechavah like this, Kesad So how do you fulfill this, the mitzvah of simcha? Haktanim. The young children, you should give them different types of nuts. In modern day terms, that's probably sour belts and uh, toffees, etc. Give them foods, nush, nuts, nuts that, that will make them happy. Uh, compared to the amount that the children do eat nowadays, you better give them bucket loads of nuts to make them happy. But, uh, now, women hasn't changed in, in, in the hundreds of generations that we've passed through. To make to, for a woman to be happy, you have to buy for them every yomtiv. Can you imagine every single yomtiv? You have to buy for them begadim clothes, the tachshitim, or jewelry. Now, strangely enough, the mechaber doesn't tell us how to make a man happy. He quite misses it out. But the mishnah Bura comes in very quickly and he says, the hanashim and the men. Now, in the time of the base of mikdash, says the mishnah Bura, how did how how did a man fulfill the mitzvah of simcha? 
So they used to bring a special carbon. He used to bring a carbon simcha, a shlamim, a special carbon, which he brought in the base of Mikdash, and he was makrivit, and he ate that carbon, and that was his fulfillment of simcha. The way to a man's heart, heart being the place where one is happy, so perhaps that's the source of, of that uh, wonderful English uh, saying. But the meat which they ate during, from the carbon, that was the way the man manifests, the, the simcha manifests itself with the men. Nowadays that we don't have, nowadays that we don't have a base of Mikdash, we can't bring the carbon, says the Mishnah Berurah, the Mechaba tells us that the only thing that you have to do is drink wine. The man has to drink wine. Says Mishnah Berurah, however there's a mitzvah in order to fulfill the criteria of simcha to eat meat. And when we talk about meat, we mean meat. We don't mean chicken. We mean meat. There's a mitzvah to eat meat. So besides drinking wine, there's a mitzvah to eat meat that comes from the Rambam. Rambam says very clearly, even though there's no carbon, there's a mitzvah to eat meat. In fact, some poskim say that not just a mitzvah, it's a chiv to eat meat. You are mechiv, you are required to, in order to fulfill the halacha of simchas yomtev, to drink wine and eat meat. Of course, everything is in moderation. You're not mechiv to, to drink, uh, drink too much wine so you lose your, your uh, uh, control of yourself and you're not mechiv to eat enormous amounts of meat. But to eat meat and drink wine goes under the banner of chiv of simcha. So now, <coughs> so far we, we, we understand that in order to fulfill the criteria of the mitzvahs of Yom Tev, we have to have two sudas based around me, uh, uh, bread, based on wine, with a mitzvah at least of meat as well. Does this apply to the day? Or are we talking about the, the sudah at night as well? Right? So you can understand where we're coming from now, where we're getting to. Is there a mitzvah simcha on the night of Yom Tov, or is there a mitzvah simcha only in the day of Yom Tov? Right? Now, if you go back to the time of Yom Tov, when did they bring the carbon simcha? They brought it Yom Tov day. They didn't bring it Yom Tov night. There was no carbonus at night. You brought it during the day. So it would follow, and the Gemara says very clearly, there's no mitzvah simcha at night. However, the Shagisariya and the Pasma are very quickly, they're very quick to jump in there and tell us, don't, for, don't, you know, but any, uh, any rationalists think that there's no mitzvah simcha at night at all. What the Gemara is telling us is there's no mitzvah simcha of the carbon shlomim. But there is, all the other mitzvah simchas apply. And whether it applies min hatayr, and don't forget during the day mitzvah simchas are mitzvah min hatayr, it's a biblical obligation, not just a rabbinical obligation. Whether it's min hatayr, whether it's midra abonon, is a machlekes, but there is a chiyot to be mesameach at night, either midra abonon or min hatayr, women with gladim metachshitin, men with wine, and ideally with meat as well, and children with cloys and egoism. So this brings us now back to the first minute. Those of us who have the minute to eat milky on the night of Shavuos, so we have this problem. How does that match with Simchas Yom Tov? <coughs> if the chiv to, to eat meat is not a chiv, it's not an obligation, it's only a mitzvah, then we can understand a little bit that perhaps the minute, in order to, re- to, re- to remind us of all those different remodels that we're trying to remind ourselves, took precedence, and therefore it evolved that we pushed away the mitzvah of eating meat on the night of Yom Tov, being that it's only perhaps only drab on the night of Yom Tov, being that eating meat itself is not such an obligation, it's only a mitzvah, rather we, ate, we eat the milky food to remind us, to, to keep all the Ramazim, as we, we, we heard the, the different reasons that we explained before, rather and pushed away the mitzvah of Simcha. But those who feel that a mitzvah of Simcha's Yom Tov is an obligation at night, and there's a chiv, an obligation to eat, meat, to eat meat as well, we have a problem. And therefore they moved away from this minig of eating milk at night, and they became that they ate meat, they ate milk during the day. I think at night, eat two meals a night, that's pushing it a little bit. Uh, I think that's not even uh, uh, not a, a very feasible option. So that's the first problem 
with our minig, with this minig of eating milk at night, how do we fulfill the criteria of Simchas Yomtev? How do we fulfill the mitzvah of basa of eating a Sudas Yomtev if all we're doing is eating milky? Okay? And that's probably one of the reasons why the other minhagim don't eat milky at night. But what we, can, what we do see from the halachas is that if it's not Shavuos or any other Yomtev, then there is a Chiv. Ideally, to eat meat on Yomtev. Of course, if somebody can't take the meat for medical reasons or whatever, they can't actually take the meat, then they should eat a milky meal. But somebody who's perfectly healthy and perfectly comfortable eating meat should be eating meat on Yomtev to fulfill the criteria of Mitzvah Simchas Yomtev. And don't forget, Simchas Yomtev is a Mitzvah the Raisa, and it could be called to some person that even eating meat goes under the banner of Simchas Yomtev Minatayu. Whether there's a, a, a direct obligation for a woman to be besimcha on Yom Tov, or is it just a chiyah for the husband to be mesameach, the wife, is an, again a big machlekes in the poskim. Uh, it doesn't have very many direct ramifications. It does have a, a slight ramification in the halach, which I don't want to discuss here, because you'll all jump on me and ask me what we should do, and I, I don't want to go down that road. But uh, whether there is a direct chiyah for a woman to, eat, to, to be besimcha on Yom Tov or not, and don't forget that perhaps for a woman, meat is not a simple at all. So for a woman to eat a milky meal, perhaps is, is a little bit easier and has less of the worries that I would have with eating my milky meal on the first night of Yom Tov. The second minute, we'll move on to the second minute, which has rather more complications in halacha, much more serious complications in halacha, is the minute of eating milk and meat in the same meal Yom Tov morning. So they will come home from shul, they will make kiddush, wash, Bring in the coffee and all the, uh, and all the milky delicacies. I assume. <laughs> then they will bring out a new loaf of bread and continue with a meaty meal. So in order to be able to fulfill the mitzvah, the, 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 that minig, you have to understand that lochas of milk and meat, how they can be eaten together in the same meal. Can they be eaten together in the same meal? And what needs to be followed and what lochas does one have to fulfill in order to be able to eat milk and meat in the same meal, if one can at all. So to, to be able to understand that, we have to go through a little bit of the background of the halachas of Basel Vachonov, and I'd like to extend it, we won't, we won't be able to get that this week, but perhaps next week, into some halachas of Basel Vachonov in the kitchen. Because don't forget, if you're going to be cooking milk and meat for a yomtev, and a normal yomtev, you're cooking mainly meaty. If you're going to be cooking milky and meaty together, the chances are very high that you're going to have on your gas stove milky and meaty pots, and on your kitchen milky and meaty dishes being prepared at the same time, and the chances of mistakes happening are very plausible. No, sorry. Uh, so we will discuss Metzem in the coming week, in the coming year, some more practical halachas of milk and meat. But let's focus now on the halachas of eating milk and meat in the same meal. Okay? Yeah. You're still talking to me, Mrs. Graydon. Yeah. Good. <laughs> the Mechavah tells us in Yerideh that it's also, it's forbidden to bake. It's forbidden to bake a milky, bre- a milky bread or a meaty bread. So that means to bake a bread with butter inside it. Or to bake a bread with meaty fat inside it is against the halacha. You cannot bake a milky or meaty bread. Now, I, I forgot to add before that this meaning of the remark of eating milky and meaty in the same meal, not just eating milky and meaty in the same meal, the Mogherom adds they used to bake a milky bread. So that way, there was no way you could eat the first loaf together with your meaty meal, and you were forced to bring a second loaf. So you would definitely have two loaves of bread at your meal. Right? So let's understand now how we can get around the problem of baking a milky and meaty bread. Not just you can't bake a milky and meaty bread in its own right, you can't bake a par of bread in a meaty oven. Mechaba tells us very clearly, if you have an oven which has meat spilt over it, you cannot put a bread in that oven, even though all you're doing now is bringing out the beliefs 
the bits of meat which are inside the walls of the oven, and they're going to go into your bread, you're not allowed to make a bread in a meaty oven or a milky oven. Because we are worried that if you make a meaty bread or a milky bread, whichever way around it is, you will eat it. And then when you finish eating the little bit of bread that you want to eat now, you will leave over some. And comes the next time, next meal, you're going to be eating a milky meal, and you've, if your bread's meaty, you'll forget that it's a meaty bread, and you'll end up eating it together with your cheese bread. So in order to get around that worry, which seems to be a very serious worry, Chazal said that you cannot make a milky or a meaty bread. It must be parva. And if it's parva, then you can eat it with your meaty. If you've got a bit left over, cut it off, eat it with your milky, no problems. So what do we do, Shavuos? In fact, this question is not a question which is posed by myself. It's the Ramon himself asked the question. He says, so what do we do, Shavuos? How on earth can we bake this milky bread for Shavuos? How do we get around the problem? So there are two, two criteria which allow a person to bake either milky or meaty bread. The first one is if you only bake it in small quantities, to the extent that you're going to definitely finish it in that given meal. So if you're baking uh, milky bread with butter inside it just for one meal, so you bake one loaf, two loaves, whatever it is, and you're definitely going to, be finished, you're definitely going to finish those loaves of bread at that meal, we don't, have to, we don't worry. In that case, Chazal said there's nothing to worry about. What are you worry That you might leave some over? You're not going to leave it over. You've only baked a small quantity. Such a quantity which is so small, you're definitely going to finish. There's no worries. That you can bake even a milky piece. The second way you can bake a milky or meaty bread is if you shape the bread in an unusual way. If you shape the bread in an unusual way, so when you see that bread, you say, hey, one minute, why on earth is it shaped like an elephant? And you'll say, oh, I know why, because I baked it milky, and then when it comes to eating it together with your meaty meal, you'll remember, and you won't eat it together with your meaty. So those are the two criteria that you need to follow in order to bake a milky bread. So if you want to bake a milky bread, uh, you do want, for instance, a pizza as a milky bread, but nobody eats a pizza together with meat. A pizza is a very specific shaped bread, so there's no, nothing, nothing wrong with having a, a milky pizza. A milky bread you can have if it's shaped in an unusual way, or if it's, you only bake a small quantity of it that you'll definitely eat at that meal. So anybody who wants to bake a milky, milky bread for the uh, Yom Tov to be kind of the minig of the remark, must make sure that they fulfill one of those two criteria. So that's the first halach you have to remember if you're going to fulfill the minig of the, of the, of the remark, to shape your bread in a strange, unusual way, or only bake a small amount of bread. <coughs> the second halacha which is important to know here is that if you do have a milky meal with bread then the halacha, the halacha tells us the Mechaba tells us again in your there that when you finish eating your milky meal you must remove any bits of bread that, are on, that, that, have, that have been on the table because bread that you've eaten together with your, milk, with, with your milky foods might have come in contact with the milk, or with the cheese, etc. And if it has become in contact with the cheese, you cannot eat it together with meaty. So any leftover bread from that meal cannot be eaten together with the meaty meal. It must be removed and taken away from the table. So even if you have a power of bread which you ate together with your milky or meaty meal, what remains mustn't be eaten together with your with your um, meaty meal coming up. And this is uh, very relevant every Shabbos. If you have a bit of bread which you've been eating together with your liver and uh, there's a, a few slices left on the table, that bread mustn't be eaten together with a milky meal in, in Shalashudas because so the Shlishas, in case it came in contact with the meat. If you cut off a bit of bread and you put it to the side and you only ate half a loaf of bread and the other half is fine, that you can definitely eat together with your milky. But what was eaten together with the meal must be, must be removed from the table for the meaty meal. The second halach which the Mechaba tells us there is that you're not allowed to eat your milky meal and your meaty meal on the same tablecloth. So if you do have this minute of the remark and you're going to eat your milky meal, you have to remove all the crockery and cutlery from the table, remove the tablecloth, 
put a new table cloth on, and only then bring out your, your meaty meal. So, it's, becoming, it's getting complicated already. In fact, the Mishnah Brewer in Hilchus Shavuos, when, he, when, the, when he's discussing this minig of the Ramah, he spells out very clearly that you can only fulfill this minig of the Ramah, which is the second minig we've discussed, if you change the tablecloth in between. If you don't change the tablecloth, you cannot be Mekai the minig. Eating cheese and then eating meat directly afterwards is another halacha which needs a bit of clarification. The Mechaba tells us, if you eat cheese, which we'll discuss how long one has to wait after cheese in a moment, but you're eating cheese where you don't have to wait any time for your meaty meal. The halacha is you have to be madiach, you have to wash out your mouth, and you have to, and you have to clean out your mouth. So there's halacha of hadacha and kinuach in your mouth. That's how the Mechaba tells us. How do you wash out and clean out your mouth? If you've just eaten cheese and you're about to eat meat straight afterwards. So the, the Mechava tells us you have to clean out your mouth by eating bread. That means you have to take a piece of bread, chew it in your mouth. By chewing it and swallowing it, you are cleaning out the residue of the fat of the cheese which is in your mouth. And when you come to eat your meat afterwards, there'll be nothing left. There'll be no cheese left in the mouth, and that's fine. Second, second halach is you have to wash your mouth out. The way you wash your mouth out is by drinking, Shulchanov says, wine. Some people are mucky to drink a, a, a mashka, but any liquid really does the job. So you have to eat a piece of bread after you finish your milky, milky uh, uh, meal or whatever it is, your cheesecake. You have to eat a bit of bread to clean your mouth out and drink bread as well. Besides that, you have to wash your hands. You have to rinse your hands, as we saw already in the, in the Medrash and the Ushami, in, in, in that we saw a moment ago, because the grease on the cheese will remain on your hand, and when you then eat your meaty meal, in a few minutes, a few moments later, you might end up touching your meat together with your milky hands and end up eating basal chalav. So that those three halachas are a must. You've got to change your tablecloth. You must make sure there's no bread remaining on the table. You've got to rinse your mouth out, clean your mouth out, and wash your hands. It's becoming complicated. It's becoming not really worth keeping this minute, is it? It can, be, it can be any bread. That doesn't matter. Yeah, it, the problem is the, the fat, the shuman, the, the, the fat of the cheese is what we're worried about. The bread will... I think so. You make twice. Do you make? No, you don't make a mochi twice. No, according to this minute, if you haven't benched, you don't make a mochi twice. No. no. Cheesecake with cutlery. No, if you use cutlery, you don't have to wash hands. But uh, the chances are very high that you... Uh, we, we won't go through the etiquette of eating cheesecake now. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> now that we're up to this, this halacha of eating milk and meat together, let's just run through the halachas of cheese and mi- milk, meat and milk, and the different minhagim on how long you wait after meat to milk and milk to meat. Um, the Mechaba tells us that the person who eats meat should wait six hours before he eats milk. So that's the Mechaba tells us, and that's the Shit Rambam, that's where the Mechaba comes from. In, when you eat meat, it follows that you've got to wait six hours before you can begin to eat any milk. Because we're worried about the, the meat getting stuck in the teeth, and after six hours, what's stuck in the teeth is not considered food anymore, and therefore it's, it's, it's disintegrated to the extent, not completely, but to the extent that it's not considered food, and therefore even if you eat milk afterwards, you're fine. The second Shit which is brought down in, in, in the Gemara, in Rashi, is that you don't have to wait any, any, any length of time at all. All you have to do is clear the table, bench, and then you can bring out the next meat, mil- milky meal immediately. No time. You don't have to wait any time at all. 
says however, and this is where the Minig of Holland, and some Minig of Ashkenaz uh, comes from, says however, not to wait at all isn't quite right, so therefore we wait an hour. We wait an hour. However, if you're waiting an hour, you must bench in between. If you wait six hours, benching isn't so important. But if you wait an hour, you must bench in between. An hour without benching is irrelevant. You, have now, you, ha- you, you are still within the same surah, that's no good. So, you either wait six hours, or you wait an hour, says Ramah, and you bench in between. The Ramah then continues and says, however, I, uh, I, I think anybody who can should be makbid to wait six hours, and the Shach uses some very strong terminology for those people who don't wait six hours. Again, I'm not asking anybody to change their minute. Please don't. Uh, I'm just going through the, the halachas as, we, as, we are, as we're going through the halachas of Abbas of Achalab. The idea of five and a bit is really uh, 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 some... I'm not quite sure where it actually comes from. They, ba- they ba- blame it on the Rambam. The Rambam says you don't have to wait quite full six hours. He says, curse shows almost six hours. So therefore, five and a bit is considered six. But the idea of five and a bit is really the idea of keeping six hours of the Mechaber. Three hours is, has no source in, in Shulchanach at all. Three hours. It is brought down in the early Swadish Apostim. Um, it's brought down in the early Swadish Apostim as three hours being six hours with, with Shazmanius, and, and they, they make life complicated. And to round it off, three hours covers all the, I think maybe an hour of Shazmanius. So if you do three hours, you've covered all the, all the times around the year, and therefore the meaning of three hours came into being. But three hours in itself doesn't have a real source in Shulchan Aruch, it comes from, as I said, the early Swadish Apostle. Coming to milk and meat, between milk and meat, and then the halacha is slightly different. Milk and meat, really, there's no halacha of waiting. Gemara doesn't talk about waiting from milk to meat. So if you've eaten a milky meal, the Gemara doesn't tell us whether you have to wait from milk to meat at all. The Ramah, however, is quoting a Zoya, and he says, after hard cheese, after hard cheese, you have to wait the same amount as you would wait between meat and milk which he says there is six hours, because the Ramah himself takes on that one should wait six hours. So after hard cheese, one has to wait six hours. Six hours, five and a bit hours, three hours, one hour, whatever, whatever it may be. But you have to wait between hard cheese and meat, the same as you would wait between meat and milk. What's called hard cheese? Hard cheese, says the Shach, is any cheese that's, taken, that's more than six months old. We're talking about cheese that's been hardened, hard cheese, but any cheese that's more than six months old must, one must wait more than six. One must wait the full six hours, or whatever the minute is. All modern cheeses that we have, nearly all, there's one Kadasi cheese. I can't remember the name of it, so I apologise. That uh, it's less than six months old. But all Kadasi cheeses on the market. Now, I'd venture to suggest that nearly all other Hechshed uh, cheeses on the market are more than six months old. More than six months old. All hard cheese is more than six months old. I'm sorry if I have to break it to you. Therefore. Um, th- this is, uh, I, w- I was at a meeting once with, with Dan Greenhouse and he said to me that all Kadasha cheeses are six months old, uh, well about six months old and I sat in Kodal next to a gentleman who was a cheese manufacturer for many years and all cheeses are more than six months old they're very processed they, they pack them, put them on the shelves and leave them there for months before they get anywhere near you the other criteria is if it's a wormy cheese um, I'm not very uh, I can't say it's really uh, wets my appetite thinking and eating wormy cheeses but it seems to be a delicacy and wormy cheese I mean yeah, hard cheese, which has gone... I don't know. I'm just telling you what it says in It's also called hard cheese. But after hard cheese, you have to wait, according to the Shulchanach, according to the according to the Ramah, you have to wait six hours. So if you are making a milky meal, I'm going to be following on with a meaty meal, even if you're going to wait a while in between, if there's any of your foods, are going to, are foods which are made up with hard cheese, 
you're going to end up with a problem. If you're eating milky on the night of Shavuos, you can have hard cheese, you can eat pizza with the greatest of pleasure. But if you're going to be eating milky and then meaty in the morning, you must make sure that any of your cheese products are not hard cheese, are all soft cheese. Soft cheeses, cream cheeses, soft cheeses, uh, etc. They are all soft cheeses. Hard cheese is any processed cheese. Um, the triangular cheeses, the, the hard cheeses, the stacked cheese stacks are all hard cheeses. They're all processed cheeses made to rennet and processed, and most of them are more than six months old. Now, the American cheeses, I don't know. As far as I know, in America, they, are, they could be they're not six months old. They, they, um, no? uh, whether it's cheese or not is another question. But I'm not sure if they, if they are six months old in America, so I can't pass comment on that. But it, the English cheeses are definitely more than six months old. Sorry? Cheesecake. Cheese. Most cheesecakes are soft cheese, yeah. Uh, if you any, any cheese you can spread is okay? Any che- no, the triangular cheese you can spread, but that's already a processed cheese, as long as it's not processed cheese. So a, a buttery cheese, I mean, soft cheese is a cheese which is made like a butter. It just hasn't quite been left uh, and churned as long as butter has. But the, the more fat content you have in the soft cheese, the more buttery it is. Uh, butter is, is 100% fat content or 80% fat content, whatever it is. Soft cheeses have not been processed with rennet. They have not been gone through a process at all. They have just been turned into cheese by a process of shaking them a little bit. That's all cottage cheeses, soft cheeses, spread cheese spreads are fine. Any hard processed cheese. So that's the triangular cheeses, the stacks, hard cheese, um, the gouda, I don't know what you call them, Chevingtons, I don't know what they are. All those packets, and they come in different shapes and sizes and shredded. They're all hard cheese, they're all, have to wait six hours. Having gone through all those halachas, I think we begin to understand a little bit why some of us are, have the minute to eat milky at night and not this minute of eating meat, milky during the day. Because the milky during the day, following on with a meaty meal, immediately afterwards, runs into all these halachic complications. And in order to prevent a person from being nechshol by accident in Brasov uh, Cholov, it's much easier if you have milk at night and you meat during the day and you don't mix the two at all. We have to show next week we'll run through a few more complications with this minute and the the other, the third minute, not next week, two weeks' time, and then we'll go through some practical lockers in the kitchen of Bosov Cholov, which might evolve, which might happen, which might take place if, something, uh, if somebody's mind is preoccupied, Mrs. Graydon, uh, in the kitchen, and uh, we'll try and run through what and how and where Mr. Shem in two weeks' time. Thank you very much.